Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. In addition to the election seesaw, we do continue to have a pandemic that we're living with. And there are concerns about the significant concerns about the Delta variant. And we're hearing stories about ICUs being filled to capacity and beyond. And there is the concern, or there are questions about vaccines and how efficacious they are. I think that's a word. Efficacious they are. If they were, if you were vaccinated, I hope it is. <laughs> uh, if you were vaccinated early in the process, or in February or March, are you still covered, or are you still uh, protected by the vaccine as we get into October? And uh, there's talk now, of course, about Moderna developing a single booster shot, not only for COVID, but also for the seasonal flu. There's a lot going on, including the uh, the passports or the certificates or whatever you want to call them. We're going to speak with our guests about all of that and more. Dr. Isaac Bogosh is back with us, infectious diseases specialist at Toronto General Hospital, associate professor of medicine at the University of Toronto. Dr. Jason Kindrachuk virologist uh, at the University of Manitoba. Thank you both gentlemen for coming on the program. Dr. Kindrichuk, good to talk to you again. Yes, likewise. And and what are we having those those wings and and that other refreshment, Dr. Bogosh? I'm waiting for you. I, my invitation looks like it got lost in the mail. Oh. <laughs> I, I got nothing going on. It got lost in the mail. Okay. I will call you when I get back from vacation. <laughs> Gentlemen, let me start with this. Quebec's Minister of Health has said COVID is here to stay. We're going to have to learn to live with it. Now, this is something that's been speculated on or, or talked about. But now we have the Minister of Health of the, of the province of Quebec saying, get used to it. It's not going anywhere. We're going to have to learn to live with this. Um, what do you say, Dr. Kendrachuk? Is he correct? Yeah, you know, I think that certainly, you know, the time has kind of told us that, that we're not getting out of this anytime soon. And I think the best indication of that is, again, we look at, you know, when vaccine supplies are going to get to low and middle income regions around the world. We're looking at, you know, two, three years probably until we get, uh, you know, people up to, uh, to you know, being fully immunized and, and being clo- close to this herd immunity uh, threshold. So, yeah, the, the virus is likely going to be endemic, but at the same time, I think we have to take that with a grain of salt and not kind of, you know, get into this mindset that, well, it's here anyway, so let's just, you know, kind of, you know, rest on our laurels and go back to normal. We, we can't get into that situation. So, Dr. Bogosh, uh, assuming that you agree with Dr. Kendra Chuck on what he just said, what do we do then? How do we deal with the fact that we have an endemic reality here now and there will be new variants or mutations, if you will, that are coming forward. For all we know, there are several dozen or however many that are already out there that we haven't discovered yet. Uh, what do we do? How do we do deal with that on, a, on, a, on an ongoing basis? Well, there's a few different ways to deal with it. One is, of course, um, we need some ways to keep the virus in check at the community level. If you don't have those, we all know what happens. Love and respect to our friends in Alberta, but look at look at their healthcare system right now. I mean, it's it's imploding. So you can't say this is over before it's over. We still have to treat the virus with respect and take at least some measures to keep it in check in the community levels. And we know how to do that. I mean, many places are doing that successfully. We've got to continue getting people vaccinated. And, you know, I think it's also fair to say we have to have appropriate public communication. We have to communicate uncertainty and communicate risk in a meaningful manner that that really enables people to understand 
what exactly is going on and how you can protect yourself and those around you. But with all that in mind, this will go away, as in it won't go away for forever. Like this is COVID's around for a long, long time. But the measures that we're living under with masks and distancing and all this crap like this, that that will eventually go away. I can't tell you when, but it will. Are we beyond, uh, Dr. Kendra Chuck, are we now beyond the need for for lockdowns? Um, it's going to be extremely difficult to convince people, particularly now with kids back in school and a lot of folks, most people saying, well, I'm going to get back at living my life. Are we beyond the time of lockdowns because of, because of the availability of vaccines? Oh, I mean, you're asking the emerging virus guy, you know, whether we're kind of out of yeah. that that moment of caution, you know, no. And I say that because we've got to be cautious that with new variants of concern, right? I mean, Delta, Delta hit us very hard. And certainly we already had an appreciation for variants of concern that that had emerged. So does that mean that, the, you know, the next thing that comes down the pike, it's going to be starting from square one? No, not necessarily. But we also have to appreciate that, listen, if we, you know, much like uh, Dr. Bogosh said, if we get into a situation like Alberta's in, um, we can't have widespread transmission uh, without having stresses on the healthcare system. So we may see some facets of lockdowns. I don't think we'll see full lockdowns like we've seen in, in the past. Um, but there will likely be some measures that will be employed to try and, and curb transmission if we start to see those rates rising too drastically. So when you describe yourself as an emerging virus guy, medical microbiology and infectious diseases, assistant professor at the University of Manitoba, but emerging viruses guy, Dr. Kinderchuk, what what are you looking for? What are you seeing? Is there anything that you're seeing on the horizon that gives you additional concern over what we know now? In general, I mean, you know, to to be fair, I mean, the the thing that keeps me up at night is that we're we're not fighting just COVID, right? I mean, we've got Nipah right now in, in Kerala and India. We've had multiple Ebola outbreaks. We've had you know, Marburg that's emerged in West Africa. These are the things that keep me awake because we can't put all of our resources just into COVID without sacrificing uh, other resources that we need to put against other infectious diseases. So that, that does keep me awake. And then the, the low vaccine uh, supply for low- and middle-income areas. I mean, I, I work in these areas, so I'm very biased in regards to how I feel emotionally uh, and, and how I'm connected there. Um, but we've got to get vaccines out there. It, this is not a situation that's just going to go away. Um, and unfortunately, it's going to cost a lot of lives and, and a lot of long-term uh, suffering in, in those areas for, for the next few years, seemingly. Dr. Bokas, what about your thoughts on this, uh, on, on getting vaccines to people? And we know there's reluctance and there's resistance and pushback. I see it. And whenever I bring up the issue of vaccines and that I've been vaccinated and that I'll be okay with a vaccine passport or whatever it's going to be called, because I don't think anything other than my name and whatever I have, uh, whatever I know the emails are going to start pouring in now. But I really don't believe there's going to be more than my name and what I've been vaccinated with is going to be on that passport or whatever it is. But what about getting vaccines to people and how do you how do you persuade people to go ahead and get it done? So I think the first step is to acknowledge that there are many different reasons for people to choose to not be vaccinated. And then of course once you recognize what those reasons are, you tailor the approach and you meet people where they are. You treat people with empathy, you listen to their concerns, you listen to their questions, you address it in a serious manner, you lower every possible barrier to vaccinations. Remember, there's some people who are working three jobs that just don't have the time to go out and get it. You lower barriers by bringing the vaccines to people's homes, to people's places of work, to people's where they uh, pray, where they spend their free time, like in, in community centers. And, and this takes time. 
I think the other thing, too, is honesty, honesty, honesty. You can't make false claims about what the vaccines do and what the vaccines don't do. Just be honest with the data. Luckily, if we're honest with the data, it's pretty clear that these vaccines can and do save lives, right? They prevent people from getting really, really sick, landing in hospital and dying. And people say, oh, you know what? I'm in great shape. I'll ne- that'll never happen to me. Yeah, take a walk uh, with me through the hospital one day. It does, and it can, right? And uh, my concern is, obviously, the millions, truly millions of Canadians who are eligible and not yet vaccinated. People can get sick and die from this. And you can see, oh, 99.9% survival rate and all this crap. Survival, the, the, the metric isn't just life or death. Right? People are hospitalized. They're sick. They're in the ICU. Um, many of them will live. Many of them won't. This is totally preventable, like totally preventable with a vaccine. And just before we take the break, is there any question, any doubt, that the majority of the new arrivals at ICUs or receiving hospitalization because of COVID, is there any doubt that the majority of those who have arrived in the last, I don't know, month, two, three months are unvaccinated? The overwhelmingly majority are, are unvaccinated. And, and like, you know, don't take my word for it. Take the word of every other country that's reporting their data. It's just like the unvaccinated individuals are completely disproportionately um, uh, represented, overrepresented in the hospital, in the ICU and with deaths at every age group. On this issue of the vaccines and how long they're effective, that's an issue that's being talked about, has people concerned. It's brought up the concern, or at least the discussion about booster shots. So, uh, Dr. Kendra Chuck, if you were vaccinated early on in the year, in the new year, so let's say February or March, and you received your, your boost, your second shot um, some weeks or a couple of months later, are you still protected as we head into October of this year? Yeah, you know what, I, I would say for the most part that, uh, that that people still are holding good protection. I think certainly if we look, uh, you know, much as, as Isaac was talking about before, at that disparity between unvaccinated versus vaccinated, who's showing up right now in, in the ICUs and in the hospitals, I think it goes to show that we still have good protection. But there's a caveat, right? We know that people that are uh, immunocompromised and have underlying comorbidities or people that are elderly, they don't have as strong of immune responses generally as others in the population. So we, we have to be considerate that when we look at averages of, uh, you know, of, of immune response and, and length of immune response, that they actually may have um, some, some consequences. So I think that's why you're seeing this move for, uh, for recommendations for boosters for, for very segregated groups right now. So, Dr. Bogosh, do you expect that the booster shot requirement or recommendation is going to be society-wide in the near future? And what are your thoughts on Moderna developing a single booster shot, they're saying, for COVID and seasonal flu? Yeah, I mean, for starters, I think with the, the booster program, right now should really focus on people who who truly need it and the people who truly need it are uh those who are frail elderly individuals and those who have immunocompromised states and the national advisory committee on uh, immunization yesterday put out a, a list of what they considered immunocompromised i agree with most of it not all of it but most of it and uh, i think we'll see the provinces follow suit on the those booster vaccines will we all need a booster vaccine at some point yeah we, we probably will we just don't need it now, maybe later in 2021, maybe sometime in 2022, but we don't. I think we also have to remember, too, like, what, what's the point of these vaccines? We have to be honest with our communication. They're not to provide, 
you know, a bulletproof vest and prevent everyone from getting infected. I mean, it certainly helps, and, and they certainly do prevent people from getting infected. The heavy lifting is really keeping you from getting super sick, landing in hospital, and dying, and they're doing exactly that. We know from the very first clinical trials, well before Delta variant even emerged, that the people who were vaccinated could still get infected. Like, that's not news. Um, I'm just a, a little distraught at the communication behind that. That's not that's not new or exciting. We've known this from the very beginning. They really they still reduce your risk of getting infected. They just keep you out of the real effect is keeping you out of the hospital and keeping you from dying. Last point, sorry, I'm blabbering on and on, but that two in one Moderna shot. Hey, that's really neat. You know, if you can compress two vaccines into one and make it easier for people, I'm all for it. Again, we got to see safety and efficacy on this before that rolls out on a larger scale, but I think it's a smart idea. Okay, Dr. Kendrachuk, when it comes to the Delta variant, I've been trying to get an answer to this question for some time now. When you compare the Delta to the other variants that we've uh, come across that have infected people, how comparatively uh, dangerous, let's use that word, dangerous, is Delta to our collective health, again, when we compare it to the other variants we've come across? Yeah, it's a good question, right? So, I mean, we've, we've seen, I think, you know, some data on both sides saying that there's a potential risk for increased, uh, you know, risks of hospitalization versus really no change as compared to alpha. But I, what I would caution when we, when we talk about severity of disease, we're talking about a, a variant that is more transmissible than the last more transmissible variant of concern. So even if you put the two on the same playing field, say, listen, disease severity, the exact same, there's no difference. I do not want to have a virus that is more transmissible because now that's making its way to our community a lot faster and hitting a lot more people very, very quickly. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.